passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your hosts, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome to another episode of Believe in 76ers podcast. Unfortunately, guys, Marcus is still sick from the Lakers comeback, so he cannot actually make it today. Uh, but uh, we'll hold down the fort. I'm Tasia Dash here with legendary Sixers point guard Eric Snow. And today we are welcoming our first guest of the show, uh, host of the podcast, You Know Ball, the slop king known as Twitter on Trill Bro Dude. Trill. Yes, Trill. sir. What's going on? Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you having me. Um, I'm also still sick from that Lakers near comeback. I posted a clip of myself having a meltdown when it happened. <laughs> During it, yes, I saw that. I yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We were watching the game on playback every Friday. We've been watching Sixers games on there, and and uh, you almost saw me act fully lose my mind, but they held on in overtime, so feeling a little better. Yeah, I thought it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it's like watching. It's like it's like those videos that they say watch till the end. You're like, who is this gonna be? It's gonna be bad, but good. Like one of those type things. As long as we win, it was fine with me. You know, I'd be disappointed if we were lost, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Free throw was on their side. Yeah. That game is brutal too because I I got stuck because I have the um the the league pass, so we have to watch that either start in the middle. It's fine, but what's on ESPN you can't. So you right. have to wait for it to finish to start from scratch. And I was like, dude, why is this game still on? I still can't start from scratch yet. I was like, oh, oh man, really? what the hell is going on right now? I mean, and Doc then, himself said at the press conference, he was like, I thought I was going to be up here 15 minutes ago. <laughs> man. So but real fast before we dig into that, um, talk about this last week. I'd like to hear your thoughts, Trill. On fans that say we, do you say we when you talk about your teams? So I try to avoid it. Like I'm generally more like uh, when I talk about the team, I try to say like the team, they, whatever. But I just like you slip back into your fan brain. Like like so like on the podcast and when I go on things, I try to speak about the team more generally. But it's just such a natural inclination to just like fall back into we because it's just an easier way to go about it. Uh, so so yeah, I guess I probably say it's fifty fifty with me. But if I'm conscious of it, I don't say it. But overall, uh, yeah, I probably am going to say we sometimes on the podcast. But on your show, you talk about all NBA, not just sure. Sixers. Yeah, yeah. So I talk – so ma- mainly on the show, it started as a Sixers podcast. Uh, it started as a general podcast where we kind of talked about whatever. And then the Sixers episode started doing well because we were talking about uh, just, you know, general NBA stuff and the Sixers stuff, and I had Sixers fans on. And then from there, it became – more about the NBA, especially in the middle of the Ben Simmons thing, because I was covering covering all trade stuff. Yeah, uh, and then since then, uh, the Sixers have been honestly kind of depressing to talk about sometimes. <laughs> so it's been nice to kind of switch it up and talk about the NBA at large. And then, so yeah, right now it's probably like seventy NBA, thirty Sixers. I would say. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. Um, that's a good reason why you would say wouldn't say we because you're not only sticking exactly. To yeah. Like, I mean, I think it depends on who you're speaking to, also. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're talking amongst people that know you and know your sure. uh, team fan, you're more inclined to say we. Yeah. Um, because they'll know who you're speaking about. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, just, yeah. If you're talking to just anyone, they'd be like, "We? Well, who is we?" You know? I take it a step further. If I'm betting on a team that night, they're we, baby. <laughs> they're they're we until it's still the same. It's they're we until I get that dub. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm. Well, is Eric. Still Eric can, you bet Eric, against them? Eric's the only one that can actually say it on here because he played for the team. So. <laughs> well, we talked about that actually because we said, "Do you only do it with the teams you play for, or teams you root for?" And he clarified both of the hometown gotcha. teams I root for and the teams I've, I've been affiliated with. So, yeah. but yeah, I would definitely, yeah. But I mean, like, if I left my job after like three or five years, I wouldn't be saying we anymore. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I guess it's, yeah. I guess sports is just different. Depends on how really traumatic the job was, you know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, sports is different because it's it's something that. They call it most, a family, most right? of the time, it's a, in most cases, your team is something you developed when you were sure. younger. So it's it's an emotional attachment. Um, so that's where the sort of the we comes from and all of this and that. And so the we, but people don't have a problem saying they and them when they're losing. <laughs> that, that's true. Then it's like, hey, my boy, I'm I don't know what's wrong with I don't that. know where that yeah. jersey came this, from. This season they've been they've been they and them a lot, I would say. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. For me, yeah. I've been like yeah, that team, you know, I don't want to discuss them. Yeah, but. I mean they, they, I've seen a lot worse Sixers team than this. So <laughs> yeah. oh certainly. Yeah. It's very true. What leads us into the first topic. So our last two have been a tale of two different games, right? So for Charlotte, Embiid absolutely dominated. He's back, obviously. No questions about that anymore. But I want to talk about the Lakers game that we've all cried about. Uh, more specifically, the complete fourth quarter meltdown where we gave up a massive lead and almost let the Lakers steal the game from us. Uh, on Twitter also, I'm sure you saw this. Uh, someone posted a, a clip from the 2010 Lakers Celtics finals where Phil Jackson said during a timeout, the Doc-led Boston team has lost more fourth quarter leads than anyone in the NBA. Well, here we are 12 years later, and a Doc-led team is still blowing a lot of fourth quarter leads. Now, I know you probably have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this, um, but what sums up Doc's career up to this point? Is it a championship or blown leads? Well, uh, I guess it, it kind of depends who you talk to. Uh, if you're talking to people that are very keyed into what's going on in the NBA, people who are incredibly online. It feels like that clip comes up every six months to a year, <laughs> which is not which is not great for Doc. Um, you know, look, you can't take away the championship, what the 08 Celtics did. Uh, you can't take away the fact that Doc is a championship winning head coach. But if you were to ask me what people know him for more that are really like, as I would call like an NBA sicko, someone that's like totally tapped in, obsessed with the NBA, it's, I mean, a lot of people that follow the NBA now were not around for the 08 Celtics. Like there are guys that listen, there are people that listen to my podcast that don't remember that because, you know, they're in their like late teens, early twenties, whatever it is. And they were just super young back then. So it's not really like that has any sort of influence over their opinions on Doc Rivers. Whereas over the last 10 years, you have the Clippers with the CP3 teams having two famous collapses, one against the Rockets, one against the Thunder. And then you have the bubble team that famously collapsed against the Nuggets. And then the Sixers team that famously collapsed against the Hawks. Hawks. So I would say if you're saying over the last decade for the younger audience, especially, I would say overall his legacy is probably skewed a little bit more towards that. Just one because of recency bias and one because of the fact that he's had more blown leads and his team has had uh, a lot of playoff struggles in the last decade as opposed to just that, you know, one title he won. And he did get back to the finals with the Celtics as well. But it, it, I, I would say most people would probably think of the the collapses and the blown leads, but, you know, he still did win a title. You can't take that away from him. Yeah. There well, we I mean, I think, I think just like most other things, I think it's narrative driven. Um, I think if you're looking at Sixers fans that want him gone, they're going to bring it up. You're thinking about Sixer fans that could care less as long as he win the game. They won't talk about 
the last 10 years. They'll talk about right now. So I just think from a standpoint that we could talk about all these collapses, but we'll never give them credit for the position that they were in. So um, whether he didn't win the championship, no. His teams were always good. They were always competitive. They're always one of the top teams in the league. But in this world, most of the time, we talk about what's negative with someone. Um, And I tend not to do that. So for me, it's, it's, it's simple. Like, I don't, if people didn't bring it up, I probably would, wouldn't even notice it. Uh, I'm aware that his team's lost leagues. Um, but when I looked at, you know, the bubble, for instance, I'm not blaming just Doc. I'm like, Kawhi, you a top 75 player. Make a play. Make something happen. Yeah. I'm talking about guys that couldn't guard Joker. They're like, you know what I'm saying? Like, from a decision standpoint, yes, probably him. But his assistants made some adjustments. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I look at it differently because I don't just blame one person for that happening. When he when when Chris and those guys were there, I'm not just saying, oh, it's on Doc, but it's not on Chris and Blake and those guys. It's just him. Um, so yeah, you get some heat on that, but I think for as much as he's done, the, the success you've ha- you have in this league, that among the wins that you can have, and then people just point out, well, you collapsed when this didn't happen. It's like LeBron James being four and six and in the finals and people talking about him being four and six, all that he's done. Like it just kind of depends on what your narrative is and your narrative will kind of drive you into whatever you want to bring up, how you feel about a person or how you feel about him coaching will decide what it is that you want to say. It's interesting too, because Chris Paul is kind of like the player version of him, and they were together for all yeah. that time. Same stuff about Chris. He left yeah. too. He's still same doing stuff about game. Chris. Yeah, great. Well, a, a good way to put it is like they're extremely good floor raisers, right? Like if you have yes. Doc Rivers or you have Chris Paul, you're going to have a level of competency, a level of professionalism, a level of respect from your teammates, and and if you're the coach, you're the, of your players. Uh, the, the thing is, is that when it comes down to the nitty gritty, when it comes down to the bigger moments, those might not be the guys that you necessarily want to have, but like Eric said, you know, they did at least get you to that point. And there is, there is definitely a lot of credit that should be given there. Doc has won a ton of regular season games. He's taken teams, you know, I, I, I think the argument, the pushback on that, which I've pushed back on a little bit, just because I think the amount of talent that has spanned across different iterations of different teams has been the pattern is there. Like the, it, there's an overwhelming pattern is my thing. Different teams, different franchises. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not like it's like, okay, well the Lob City Clippers were the Lob City Clippers, but then like you have the Kawhi Leonard version of them. You have, even though Celtics teams post that title had a few series that you could have argued that they should have won, that they didn't with all their talent. Some of it was just Kevin Garnett getting injured and those guys getting old. And I don't really think you could put that on Doc at all. Uh, and then you have the Sixers, but also at, in fairness to Doc, the Sixers never, never made it past the second round with Brett Brown either. So at That's a certain true. point, yeah. you need to start looking at the players, you need to start looking at the organization as a whole and think what really so, is so, going wrong here. So we're gonna so we're honestly gonna sit up here and say we're gonna we're gonna look at when the Sixers played Atlanta and we're gonna sit up here and we're gonna say that that was Doc's fault. I think it was more of a collective thing. I've never been like, like most all... and that's all I'm saying. I yeah, think... no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, so I think totally with the Clippers agree. too. I think yeah. it was the same thing. Yeah. No, I definitely yeah. think so. I I mean I think Ben was the easy scapegoat for the Hawk series because it was a very obvious in your face. Here's a guy having. It was loud. Yeah, exactly. It was a it was, it was a meltdown in the moment. It was and so it, so that's what I'm saying. So with, with Doc, it's been in those moments. It's been loud because now people say, "Oh well, it happened here. Oh, it happened here. Oh, it happened here." Hey, that's his career. I mean, he been coaching for what twenty years. Yeah, you don't coach for twenty years. And, it, and people pull out three moments and that defines you. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy if you can coach that long and people pull out three instances and say, hey, that defines him. No, the championship, he just got lucky. He just had those guys. But the other three things where he failed, that's who he is. That's a bunch of crap, man. That's a bunch, Seriously, that's a bunch of crap. I will I will say it has become like a cliche to say Doc but needs a lot of stuff. And, and at this point, as a Sixer fan, I've accepted that if we have a big lead – I'm not going to be surprised if the other team. Goes <laughs> in in fact, the next double digit lead we have late in the game, I might just start placing automatic wagers. Hey, on the hey then, then let's let's smart. Let's, 
let's get some guys. If if you if you telling me that you got two future Hall of Famers, right? Yep. And we can't get the ball. Actually, th- actually three. It's just Maxie's not there yet, but <laughs> <laughs> right now we got two. Um, I don't think about what else. I'm thinking about confirmations. Um, and we can't get the ball in bounds, and that's Doc Rivers. Yeah, that's that, that's the coach's fault that we can't get the ball in bounds. We we got Joel, who's the biggest on the court. We can't throw the ball up to him, and he go get it. You telling me Anthony Davis can knock him down? When it's winning time, it's winning time. Go get the ball and make some free. Come on, man. You gotta you gotta really look at some stuff. That ain't coaching. Yeah. What do you how much stock do you put into your team ta- taking up the personality of your coach, though? The NBA is the best players league, not a coach's league. Now, if this was college, I would agree with you. Yeah. But if you go in that owner's office and if Joel go in there and Doc Rivers go in there, guess who's going to end up? If one of them, if they both wanted each other out, guess who's going to end up out? Doc. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's been the thing is that I think that this iteration of the Sixers, this version of this team, I'm not claiming any all of it on, on Doc Rivers. I don't think that you can. I mean, I think how the team performed – without the stars was a little bit telling for sure. The ball movement, everyone kind of buying in, having more of a defined role when stars were out and the team performing the way that it did. He does his best coaching there. Yeah, that's yeah, what I, I was going to say. But, it's, it, but it's, it's easy to coach then because you're not, you're not coaching from a standpoint that you got James and you got Joel, just say those two. They play a certain way. They play a certain style. But that's my issue is that is that I think that we need to find either it's either we need to find a coach or we need to have star players that are buying into that's the whatever whole, message. That, true, that's the whole league, true. I totally agree. That, but like you, so I, you go you go I to agree. the Lakers and the Lakers are built on the way LeBron James and Anthony Davis play. That's why Russell Westbrook struggles. Not because Russell can't play, he just can't play like that. Well, he's been playing good this year. I mean, he's been... But he can't play like that. Yeah, I mean, my my whole thing is, is this, is if your star players are inflexible due to their play style, and maybe you're just building around whatever the best version of that team it could possibly be. You know, there are scalable superstars. There are guys like Kevin Durant who can go to any team it's and automatically... Couple, it's only a couple superstars in the NBA. Yeah. It's Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. I mean, I would, I would say, that, yeah. well, I would say there's in in the modern NBA, I would say there's six or seven. I mean, I would consider Luka Doncic, uh, Embiid, KD, Steph. All they're not them. on the level of Steph Curry. Okay, well, let's they're say not. Steph's in his own category, and I, Steph I, and Gian, I they not, they're not yet there yet. But I get what yeah, you're saying, Giannis too. Yeah, I, I, I think they're yeah. in their own tier for sure. I, yes. I, I would say Giannis and Steph because. Giannis is in his prime. He's proven himself in the playoffs. He's been this guy. My whole thing on this is that, you know, it, it is hard to figure out a way to kind of work around certain styles of player. And even, you know, when you sent me the uh, agenda for this, I I actually didn't view the last two games as a tale of tooth games at all. I viewed them as the same thing, which is basically the whole game plan for every Sixers game so far this year has been, all right, Joel, you want to bail us out when the stars play? Can Joel make a ton of tough shots? Can Joel be that superstar? And if he isn't, uh, we're going to lose. That's kind of what basically every game comes down to. Now, he's been fantastic recently, but when the Sixers aren't shooting way above their heads, which they have been recently, and then when the Sixers also aren't, Joel's not going to score 50 points in every game. Like, it's just not realistic to expect that of any player. And if that is the case, then I think that there needs to be some sort of because if these shots weren't falling and Joel wasn't having these historically good performances, I think we're having a different conversation about all the other things that drive us nuts about this team uh, more often than not. And, and the fact that they have been getting some good shooting luck and the fact that they have been, you know, Joel's been dominating in the way that he has, has it covers up a lot of the mistakes. And I just I don't think it's sustainable per- personally. No, it's not. Well, I mean, how would you coach Joel? 
I, look, I'm not I'm not saying that I have the answer to this. I'm saying that I think that it should be a collective thing between the stars and the coach. And if Doc isn't the guy, I don't first off, I don't really there's, think there's no coach that we're gonna get is gonna make Joel play different. That's that's fair. Then I think that we need to have a conversation about Joel's play style. Like that's just kind of how then, it is. Then, then we trade him for Luca Doncic and, and come in. Right. And that then, sounds good. And then, and then it's gonna be the same <laughs> way. You're gonna have a guy that's gonna Give you tons of numbers and dribble and, and the hold ball, and have the ball, ball in his hand for ninety percent of the game. You know what I'm saying? I'm not no no. I'm not knocking Luke. Luke, I love Luke. I'm just saying of course. he plays how he plays. Yeah, yeah. And it That's doesn't matter. Jason Kidd or Doc Rivers are coaching them. Yes. He's going to play that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's and 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 if anything, Doc has been the coach for Joel's MVP level seasons. That's it's true. not even to say it, my whole thing is that I view <laughs> I view this as a regular season formula. I view this as this will get you 50 wins. This will get you to maybe win a playoff series. But as the heliocentric stuff with Harden has proved, as the heliocentric stuff with Trey Young has proved, as the heliocentric stuff with Luka has proved, Embiid, like all of this ball dominance, I just don't think that it's super sustainable. I'm not saying that I have the answer. I'm just making a observation that I don't think that you can win in the playoffs with this unless that guy is like literally LeBron James. <laughs> one thing, one thing does I mean, baffle the, the different the difference with ball dominance and shooting a lot are different. Um, ball dominance and the difference with LeBron and where he's different than a lot of people is because LeBron can dominate the ball, but LeBron also dominates the ball and he dominates the paint. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where he's different than a lot of other people. I mean, he's um, yeah, I mean, the, he, the greatest player of all time. Like LeBron is the all-time exception well, to basically. I don't, I don't every get into anyway, all this yeah. greatest yeah. of all time stuff. Like that's One of them. irrelevant. I mean, you know, I'm just top saying, like, three, you know, whatever, top five, top anything. It, it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter. He's a great player. It's like a lot of other players. They're great. I'm saying he dominates the ball and he dominates the paint. The the, the lot the what you want to do with the game is you want to get the ball in the paint. However you do it. It, back in the day, they used to do it with post-ups. That's why you had all the bigger guys and seven footers yeah. throw it in the post, and then they would do dominate, get to shrink the defense, make them adjust, trap, swing, swing, shoot. Same old stuff. But now Inside they spread out. everybody out, yeah. they drive, but you still dominate in the paint. That's what you do. You dominate in the paint, get layups. You analytics can talk all they want to talk. You can talk all you want to talk about analytics. The best shot at analytics is a dunk and a layup. That's still the best shot. So when you get that ball in that paint and you're attacking that rim and you're shrinking that defense, then those shooters are getting practice shots instead of questionable shots where they don't know where the ball is coming. Oh, yeah, I know. I watch the Sixers every night. I'm aware other so, teams do so, it all the time. <laughs> so that's how – that's where he's different. And the guy is very similar to LeBron in the way he's playing right now is Giannis. Yeah. And that's why Giannis – has so much success. He's 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 basically doing the LeBron James blueprint. They're just different players, but it's yeah. the exact same thing. That's what everyone was hoping. The Simmons ball, would but he's be dominating the paint. I agree, but but also even even with Giannis, Giannis when he was running that traditional five out offense, where that was the only plan basically. Giannis gets to the rim, and teams were able to build a wall in the paint. Giannis, they had to change Giannis's play style a little bit. He started screening more. See, he started I rolling I more. I don't particularly think they changed his style. I they just did. think that they got Drew Holiday. No, they did. They also they got, got Drew. They got, they no, got he, secondary he still, ball handlers. He they still got, plays the same way. He but, just doesn't handle it as much. Sure. Yeah, and but but he is still an active participant in the play when he is screening and rolling more for Drew and Middleton and doing the things that open up the same way. They open up spacing because he's a yeah, vertical and, threat. And he's yeah, and and it gets him downhill. So like my whole thing is that Giannis did adjust his play style. It's it, they basically went to him and said, but, "Here's how we can optimize you the best." And he bought into the role. But and what now I'm he's saying the best is, player he in the still league. dominates the paint. He does. With, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. LeBron James didn't always have the ball. Sure. And so I'm saying it's the same way. So it wasn't like Giannis had the ball up top and everybody off move out the way. Like he played like that, but he didn't always play like that. They had other guys that. Couldn't do it. They had then all of a sudden Middleton grows and they went and got Drew Holiday. Yeah, absolutely. That was the difference. And they got Lopez. They got a better team. 
Yep. But he's still dominating. He's still doing the same thing. So I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, for, for Joel, I think it's the situation where he's playing a certain way. I just don't know how you're going to adjust that because he's not going to all of a sudden now just be this motor guy. Like where he's just going, he's blocking shots, he's getting tons of rebounds. If if I said something about Joe, I would I would like to see him get more dominant on the offensive rebounds. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, the two yeah, areas I that I the you two areas the two areas I think the offensive rebounding is one hundred percent true. Which I think that him buying into being a little bit more of a roller in the pick and roll, which is he has he has done since they got James Harden, is is essential for that because I think he's going to get a lot more offensive rebounds as a roller. And I also think that from the like, I just want to see, and, and this is not Joel's fault at all. And none of this is really Joel's fault. He's been absolutely dominant. He's been amazing. But I also would like to see just like a little bit of variance to what they do so that if a team in the playoffs can solve this as they have in the past, that they have something that they can kind of pivot to. And that's that's one of the things that the, that the Houston Rockets did really well with when they got Chris Paul was that they had this style with James Harden where you spaced everyone out. He ran the entire offense. He touched the ball every possession. He was the heliocentric guy. And then once they got Chris Paul, you had something that you could go to that was a little bit different where you just switched it up a little bit. But overall, I, look, Joel's been incredible. This is, he's one of the five, six, seven best players in the league. It's not his fault at all, but I do think that they would be, they would be, it would be nice if we didn't have to com- continue to depend on him scoring 35, 50 points every single game so that we could just win a game against the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that though like like you saying like like you know we're we're we're, we're saying well, hopefully when maxi's back it can be a, they can have a little bit more variance to the offense as well i think that they're a little bit i think harden and beat are really the only two guys i mean you know, shake occasionally off the bench that are really capable of running offense that you would even trust in that situation so what is um y'all so high on maxi um well, he's more of a scorer <laughs> than like a creator, ball handler, playmaker. But we'll get to Maxie in a bit. I want to have a closing uh, thought with it, with this doc thing real fast. The one thing I'm baffled about, and I was saying how I, I I'm prepared prepared for blown leads, but I compare it to almost a bad slice or a draw for for a golfer. Um, when they That's can't me all they, the time, when they can't fix it, they literally just aim slightly differently to go in. Why can't like Doc be like, all right, I don't know how to, I don't know how to fucking fix these blown leads, okay? But what we're gonna do is we're gonna throw a little curveball in there. So I'm gonna like throw a chair or get a technical something in the middle. Of <laughs> Bobby <this>. Knight, <laughs> anything, no, anything though. Like, just be like, hey, uh, Sam, next time a team scored 12 straight and our lead shrunk from 18 to like six, just do this. Get a technical foul. Do anything to stop. Why is there more some someone to stop it? To... Well, getting a technical foul when you're blowing the lead probably isn't the best. Hey, it changes the emotions of the game. They're looking at the clock going, shit, dude, we're losing this. Like, do well, something to like well, change the, the emotion of the, the turnaround. Because when we're losing these games, we're watching ourselves drown. And like there's nothing anyone does about it while it's happening. It's great. Yeah. You and know, you know, you know, you know how um you know the one thing I'm saying you can consistently do. When people are making runs for you, against you, the one thing you should do is slow the game down. You, you don't speed it up. You slow the game. Slow the game down. What's the number one way to slow the game down? Post the guy up. I was gonna say go. We got the best post man in the league. Post the guy up. Flatten the defense. Get him in the paint. Make him double. Swing, swing, kick out. If we don't miss, we got a chance to offensive rebound, and we have a chance to get back in transition defense. That's how you manage it. That's how you manage it. Get him down there because now all of a sudden they got to make a decision. We're going to let him play one-on-one or we're going to double. But that's how you get in the bonus. That's how you slow the game down. That's how you, you manage it. That's how you get back on defense. I guess but my I question never see him do that. My question for you though is like are making runs. What about like the end of the Houston game where like when Joel is handling the ball and like I guess part of this is Joel's conditioning really because Joel is being asked to do so much on offense that towards the end of these games he's a little bit he's a little bit slower. He's you know, he's tired. He's a big guy and he's he's running the offense, he's running the defense like 
what do you make of when you have a game like that and you're trying to feed Joel in the post and you're trying to get him in these actions and he's so tired that he's he's making mental lapses and he's not he's turning the ball over that that's that's where it seems like they've gotten themselves in trouble recently when they're trying to run the late game offense through bias. Joel. I don't. I actually don't even. I, Tobias has actually been a, a fantastic post score. He and, just doesn't get a ton of touches. And I'm not saying don't do it for the rest of it. I'm just saying do it for the stretch until yeah. your man can recover. Yeah. yeah. Throw it off. Throw, throw, throw. Yeah. Go to different directions. I'm just talking about in that instance where you're trying to, you know, stop the bleeding. That's right. what I'm talking. About. I'm not talking yeah. about in, you know just in general. I'm just saying when you're trying to stop the bleeding, um, or find a mismatch somewhere, um. Where you put Joel or you put Tobias in a, a pick and roll with James to get the point guard on Tobias. Yeah. Because most teams switch. Maybe. Um, I'm just trying to give you just a scenario of how you kind of slow it down. A lot of those instances you were talking about. And this, and this is all outside of calling the timeout. <laughs> yes. Well, I threw the throwing the chair at the yeah, the timeout would be the easiest way to stop it. Yeah. I think a lot a or lot, throwing a chair. A lot of the just take it off a layer or take off that little zipper you have, the zipper pullover you have, something. Um, I think one thing, though, I do notice they do tend to go, all right, Joel, do something. It's usually like at the top of the key or like outside the paint. Sure. Like, that's, that it, is. And yeah, that's when he makes those forced passes. I'm like, right. dude, why are you throwing that ball? Now that right there to me. Now that right there. Desperation. Is Joel, but that's coaching too. I mean, they're just going to put the guy at the nail and he's going to be able to like, – th that is not a sustainable situation because yeah, Joel has no threat of driving there because if they put the guy at the nail, he's just going to help off and swipe the ball. Like, it's yeah, like there's I mean, not but, – but, but getting down on the block yes, and fighting and fighting that guy is hard and it's tiring. And he's already tired. Yeah. Yes. And also the Sixers <laughs> until James Harden haven't had a single player who could throw an entry pass regularly. James is really the first guy that they could because because with Ben, you know, Ben was a good passer. But the problem with Ben is that his defenders they just sagged all the way off of him yeah. because he couldn't shoot. And there was no way to make that entry pass to Joel. Now, at least you have a guy who can make that entry pass to Joel. And even those actions they've been running with Shake and Harden uh, as the main ball handler. And then they get they get uh, Joel down to around the elbow, and then they can make that little pocket pass that gets Joel at least into the mid range. These are all effective ways just to get get the ball into the paint, like Eric said earlier. And uh, I, but but all of this depends on like, can you just make an inbound pass? Because <laughs> like because like if you just, can't get the ball just, down the court, it doesn't matter. Saying, but just just to go back to a little bit of what we were just talking about with LeBron and Giannis. It's no question they're getting in the paint. You, you you see what I'm saying? Especially at the end of the game. Like LeBron gets in his moments where he wants to take those fadeaway threes. But I'm just yeah, saying for, for the most older. part, <laughs> yeah. We don't have to kind of like worry or think if they're gonna do that. It's winning time they're doing it. And that's where I, I gotta say Joel gotta get better at that. And I think Doc gotta demand that he does. I don't. I'm not in the locker room, and I don't know that those conversations. Doc may very well tell him, be telling him that. I don't know, um, but th those. This is just my opinion on what I've seen that works, um, and and I do, and I do feel Joel missed a lot of camp, and I don't think he's there yet. Mm -mm. And in situations like that, it shows. Which is scary because he's playing so well, but he's not even yeah. fully there yet. Which is great. He can put numbers. He's like Tommy. He gonna put up numbers. Yeah. But putting up numbers and dominating for a win when it's you know when it's winning time, especially against the better teams, it is different. It's different, yeah. you know. It's, it is different playing against Charlotte and playing against you know even Brooklyn, yeah. who, who's doing well now. I'm just saying, like when you playing against those teams, that especially as the season goes on, it's, it's going to be different. Yeah. So we, we we talked a little bit about some of the things that piss us off, and uh, we mentioned a few of these in there. Um, good segue to the next topic. Uh, which consistent issue of the Sixers pisses you off the most? Turnovers, <laughs> awful transition defense, or poor rebounding? Eric, why don't you go ahead? I don't think the rebounding bothers me as much as it does. Really? Just, just Joel. His offensive rebounds bother me because I think he spends – a little too much time on the perimeter. Um, he doesn't put himself in position to offensive rebound enough. Um, so from that standpoint, defensive rebounding, it's kind of correctable. I mean, I think um, 
we can get better at it, guys. I, I, sometimes I think that's just getting broken down defensively a lot of times. Um, Doesn't a correctable issue that isn't being done – see, that's why rebounding was number one for me because that like that, that's just more effort, I think, sometimes than, than anything else. I, I'm like, why – just I, I find myself yelling at the team. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. Some people have – you know, nowadays some of these coaches and some of these teams have rebounding philosophies where you go to a certain location to offensive rebound and rebound. Defensive rebound. So I don't know if the Sixers are there, but I do know there are some teams that actually rebound based on analytics and where to go for a shot, when the shot is taken, where the shot is taken from, or where you are on the court, where you should go. Like, I don't know if they're that detailed um, in that situation. Um, Interesting. I do know that they don't really have a, you know, maybe Paul Reed's that guy. Like, don't really have a guy that's like a go-getter. Yeah. Go get those rebounds that are really out of his reach. Tucker, but he's like 6'5", so he doesn't have a good reach. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Tucker works hard, but I'm saying, like, dudes that just dominate from that standpoint, that they, they get them the Reggie Evans types. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just <laughs> rebound all day. Yeah. Um, Paul Reed would probably be the closest thing. Yeah, I just don't – I don't know if we're – I just don't know if we're that type of team. Um. I would say maybe I, I mean turnover. I, I think the turnovers hurt us um, a great deal because it's you already got a team that's lacking in transition defense, and the turnovers make it worse. Oh man! Um, and then if if you're not making shots, you know those missed opportunities, the missed opportunity to get in the bonus. Um, I think turnover games where you have high turnovers really, to me, I would say that really kicked us most. True, what you got? Uh, I'm more I so I would probably lean in your direction as well. I would say the rebounding, mostly because I just think that like we've seen I once again, I'm I've talked about this on my podcast before, and I'm done analyzing game to game kind of the Sixers because I kind of know who they are as a team. And I agree with Eric that I don't think this team is really built all that well to rebound. But the one thing that we saw with the transition defense was that. Last year in the playoffs, when the effort levels went up, the transition defense got a lot better. You know, Toronto had a game or two where they were able to cause some turnovers, get out running. But most of those games against Toronto, who I believe had the best offense in transition in the NBA last year, the Sixers did a pretty good job, especially in the games that they won, kind of slowing down them based on these things that weren't, you know, it might be a little bit tougher now just because I think the take foul has kind of fundamentally changed the NBA in that like when you have bigger centers, especially guys where you're where you're running a lot of your offense through the post, it is going to be tough to get back on transition and have your center be that because traditionally speaking, your center is the guy that can kind of slow down the transition attack. And the Sixers don't have a ton of guys that we know of that are you know, great hustle, hustle guys, like on the team right now. I think the, the few guys that you mentioned, like Tucker, you know, he's a little bit older now. I think those things will kind of correct themselves as the effort levels go up in the playoffs. I'm not really worried about that. I'm, I try to project all of my like things that I'm worried about to the playoffs. And we saw the rebounding rear its head a lot in that Raptor series and a lot in that heat series where oh, yeah. if they were able to just end possessions, they probably win some of those games that they lost or they, the games that they won, they were probably winning, especially in the Miami series. They probably weren't quite as close because Miami just absolutely dominated. One of the reasons why we got PJ Tucker was because there were several possessions where, you know, he was extending it by two, three rebounds. And when that is the case, uh, it, it, it can make you want to pull your hair out when you're watching the team. I think that the, the turnovers are something that, uh, you know, I think it's just kind of built into Joel, like Joel being a, the player that he is and being our best player who has the ball the most, we're probably going to turn the ball over a decent amount. And, you know, I, I would like to see a, like, like the Warriors every year usually lead the, the at, at some point, at least we're leading the league in turnovers every year, but they played with a pace. The Sixers don't really play with pace. We're kind of a slower team. And, that's why and, turnovers kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's why it's frustrating, the turnovers. As I was saying, the lack, yeah. it, it, the lack of possessions with it, like, that's, what, that's yeah. why it kills you. Yeah, and, and with, you know, Harden, who's always been a, a low turnover player for his amount of usage, as he kind of loses a little bit of a step, he gets a little bit older. 
Uh, and some of those possessions where he's looking to draw fouls turn into turnovers. All of these things can kill you, but the rebounding is the one thing that I think is the most frustrating for me because it felt like two of our main at offseason acquisitions were DeAnthony Melton, who's one of the best rebounding guards in the NBA, and P.J. Tucker, who has been a very good offensive rebounder, especially last year, as we saw, and neither of those issues have really been fixed, and I'm starting to wonder, you know, Joel actually looked like he was kind of giving a shit to be honest i'm sorry i don't know if i can curse on here but yeah yeah so he was kind of caring more in the lakers game and when he was uh it there was a big difference they were getting a ton more rebounds and i'm hoping that that kind of effort shows in the playoffs and uh can kind of carry over in the same way that the transition defense stuff did last year I'm going to uh, go to the Wizards Sixers game later on in the month, and I'm going to try to get seats close enough so they can hear me grab the, <laughs> grab, grab, grab the rebound. Right now, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys were definitely right about Paul Reed, though. He's, you know, he he's a streaky player in that, like, he'll have one game where he looks like incredible, and then the next game. It's like he's fouling every other play. And, it, you know, he's young. He's I think that he's going to learn as he gets older. But his rebounding has really been beneficial when he has played. And I think the team rebounds better as a whole when he's on the court as well. Deflections and loose balls, too. Yeah. He's 100%. a go-getter. He's all yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. Love, lo- lo- love, love his energy. I'm saying, I'm, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, they don't – he is the motor guy. Yep. That, you know, some people play that guy. Some, some, some teams play that guy. Some teams don't. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Melton, so Melton's skill set is fits in very perfectly with the starting five with deflections, rebounding, things that we need, defense, um, and hitting shots as three pointers. I did not expect it this year at all. Um, now I'm gonna let Trill go with this one first because he's a he's a maxi truther on this show right now. <laughs> so, how crazy would it be to see Maxi as a sixth man when he returns with Melton's success? Let's go with scale of one to ten. 10 being absolutely nuts, one being a no-brainer. Uh, I mean, look, I'd probably, I, I might be a little bit of a cop-out here. I, I, I'll i say a five. <laughs> I'll say a five, split down the middle. That is a cop-out. Okay, all right. If you want to lean in one direction or the other, I'll go. Oh, uh, you don't have to. Just say how you feel. All right, the, the, here's why. And maybe, you know, it's tough because obviously, once again, I, I don't know how certain players feel in the locker room. You know what I mean? I think a lot of this is feel starting really doesn't matter that much in my mind as I I care more about who's closing games than who's starting games, uh, especially when you get to the playoffs. But a lot of guys take pride in starting and a lot of guys starting matters. Yeah, exactly. And starting is my whole thing is I think that Melton and Maxi both should be playing starters minutes regardless of whether they're starting or not. So that's probably more what I'm trying to say here is like, I think Melton is like the fourth or fifth best player on the team. And if that is the case, then he should be playing. We should be getting more creative with lineups, trying to play three guard lineups whenever we get the occasion uh, uh, to do that. And then also in addition to that, trying to make sure that Melton's basically almost always on the court uh, when one of Maxi or Harden are off the court. <laughs> That's which is what they were doing earlier in the season. So I guess technically like, look, if the Sixers were to move Maxi to the bench, I think he would be a great six man. But I also think that like Maxi probably wants to start and Rich Paul's his agent and he probably wants his guy to start. So when because they're going to be negotiating for a contract after this season and if that matters enough to someone i think that you just kind of leave it as it is and then you try to figure out ways to be more creative with your lineups so that you can maximize having all of your best players on the court last year in memphis melon played the three a lot more than you would think and i think that because he's like six foot three that sounds insane but he's a really good rebounder positionally and his wingspan his wingspan he's six foot nine with his wingspan and that is you know it's not going to work in every single matchup there it wouldn't work against the celtics like for example they play bigger when they're healthy you know tatum at the three that that kind of thing might not work but there can be certain teams that you might be able to get away with that that play a little bit smaller especially in like the modern nba uh that teams tend to go a little bit more with uh uh, speed than size but uh overall i would say like probably just keep maxi in there because i think your best chance to contend and win a title is with maxi taking that next step and becoming a better player 
uh, and maybe even taking a star leap at some point. So you're probably going to want to keep the young guy happy that you have in-house, you drafted him, whatever. And then Melton, I think he's, I mean, from everything I understand, I, I'm, I'm sure he wants to start just like every other player wants to start. But uh, I, he's bought into a, a role everywhere he's been. He's been a fantastic like locker room guy. Everyone seems to really like him. So I guess it's like if it's if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like the Sixers net rating with Melton in the starting lineup is fantastic, but they're also hitting 50% of their threes. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's going to regress. No team shoots 50% from three the whole season. That will regress into the high 30s, low 40s. And if that's the case, then the net rating won't look as crazy eye popping. But uh, just play your best players. Like that's kind of like be creative, figure out ways to get all these guys involved so that you don't really have to worry about who's starting and and closing and stuff like that. So he's been, he's been watching our podcast, right? He's been watching me. He's been listening to what I've been saying. Did you say that? (laughs) No, I've, I've been a guy all along. And I was saying from even in the preseason, if you want the best um, version of Maxi, he probably should be a six man. Because I feel that there's it's no way for him to really shine when you have James and Joel on the line. Sure. But just it's just not enough shots. Um then we we've gotten on Tobias because of that same situation. Um well I haven't. Deja has. Well, I think Tobias <laughs> has been fantastic in, in No, I'm in, just saying, like, year, I, yeah. I, I don't get on, but you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, Tejan, yeah, yeah. And his He's crew, a fan. Man. Come on. Yeah, Tejan and his crew. <laughs> Um, so I, I would say that more about I think it I, I think it makes sense. Um I think it would ruin the relationship with Baxi though. Right. If you did it. So I don't think you can do it at all. At all. Now so you say 10 would be absolutely nuts, right? Yeah. That what you said. Yeah. 10. Basketball basketball though, basketball reasons one, uh Working with personalities, ten. You're saying, yeah, okay, yeah, but that matters though because a lot. If, you, if, if it matters with the personality, then you are affecting the basketball. Now, what about? And I thought about this. What about the loophole? Of this would be, he's coming off a pretty big injury. They're like, hey, let's ease you back in. Let's start you off off the bench. You get you get go out there, spread your wings, and hey, this is going so great. Yeah, you probably no, you get a game. You get a game or two like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, we're two and zero since you've been well, on the set. Pretty soon he'll be like, "I feel good. I feel good. I need my name called." Yeah, I, so it's working okay. so well. Tyler so Hansen. what? What I want to say here is that I totally like, like Eric said, like he was a player. He knows starting matters. Like this is this is a, a stature thing. This is a contract thing. This is and they use it against you when you don't. Exactly. Don't, don't think they don't. They exactly. Hundred percent. There's a reason why you know I know Melton was younger, but like there's a reason why Melton's on the contract that he was. He's way better than what he makes. Like, and, and that part you, of the you, reason you is you that he was a bench starter. player. You can be a starter and play 34 minutes a game, and you could be a reserve and play 34 minutes a game, and average the same amount of points. You know what they'll do when you go to contracts? They'll compare you versus the starter yeah. or compare you versus the reserve. And we all know those salaries are different. Exactly. Yeah. And so it does matter. Yeah, it 100% matters. And and the thing is, is, is that I think, I think that Maxi matters to this franchise due to the fact that without Maxi, they would kind of be a little bit screwed because of the the way that the whole Ben Simmons situation went and, you know, the fact that he kind of fell into their laps at pick 21 and everyone talks about how much they love him all the time. And I think the yeah. last thing you want to do is and, even if it might make both. the team a little bit big, it might make the team a little bit better. You don't want to piss off the young guy who's done everything that he possibly can for the team and is just like a, an all around good guy yeah. and a, a very good young player too. And I, I, I think that, yeah, I, I think Maxi as a, as a person um, would be like, Hey, okay, I'll, I'll make it work. I think you would. Um, Maxi as a businessman and his associates, there's no way you can be happy with that. Especially with, with what Maxi makes on his contract now. Like Maxi is one no of the way. best. He's the All one right. of the the from a team perspective, he has one of the best contracts in the NBA. So yeah. he's gonna right. want to get paid on his next deal, and he should. Yes. Yeah. So why do you do that? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, Maxi, you know, he can go in there and be like, man, take somebody else off the line. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's what his people's gonna that's what his people are gonna say. 
I, I will say I I, I have couldn't they compare went, him to Jordan Poole? Jordan Poole doesn't always start, and he makes a lot of money now. Jordan Poole wants to start though. But I can guarantee you that sign knowing that that's what he's doing. He did, but uh, I can guarantee you if you ask Jordan Poole if he wants to start. Oh, Tyler Jordan. Tyler Hero said I'm a starter in this league and he became a starter this year. Like that's just kind of how Jordan like, Poole wants to be a starter, but who are you going to start him in front of? There you go. Well, I mean, the player of all time. Yeah, his issue isn't. Yeah. That he's not a starter is the fact that he's playing behind Clay and Steph. He's playing behind Hall of Famers won and they won the championship with that. Sure configuration yeah so that's why i was saying if we got lucky and not lucky enough but if maxi spent a month or let's getting acclimated off the bench at like 20 minutes a game and we're killing it like that there's would one that thing be enough room to be like Man, there's one there's one thing to get benched for steph curry there's another thing to get benched for d'anthony melton and yeah. like i love melton but like he ain't steph and like that, clay that's, that's, i'm just saying like if it was if we had KD and, you know, it was like Kyrie or, you know what I'm saying, and someone beside James, sure. you could get away with that. But he's coming in and saying, no, that's, you know, I lost my position because of injury. Yeah, it's too bad. It's, it's You're not really getting benched for Melton. You're getting benched for Melton's skill set that goes better sure. with that five. But that's unfortunate that it's much more than that, right? I mean, Poole was a weird situation because, yeah. A, they won like that, and he kind of just fell into that role, and – be their Hall of Famer. So what, what the hell are you going to say? Like, I mean, but, you know, Poole was also drafted there. They spent time in the G League and came up and developed, and, and 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 he developed with that team, and he played that role, and he's always played that role. But we're yeah. talking about it's different if Poole was a starter, then all of a sudden he's playing well, and then we take him out and say, hey, you yeah. know what, go go be a six-man. That's what we're asking for Max. Like, it is a different, last year, it though, is a different situation because – Maxi has started, but did they kind of reacclimate Clay slowly and then give him the starting role again eventually? I don't think Poole was a starter, was he? Even when Clay was out, he wasn't starting. I don't think he was. He if I remember correctly, some, but it wasn't like it wasn't Crazy. like they were pulling him out of the lineup. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and he was still averaging like 31 minutes a game anyway. So it's yeah. like he's playing a, a lot. So I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's scoring a lot and he's playing a lot. No, I you're think- right. He did start he he started before Clay came back. But once Clay came back, the idea like he knew, he knew that he was going to move to the bench for Clay and and yeah, it was, yeah, it was his, never a question. His minutes are still the starter's minutes. Like he's playing 30 minutes a game. Like But right now you don't think Poole's better than Clay? Uh, Which I would uh, this season, maybe. this season not, I would not, say not, Clay. Not, yeah, last year Poole, last year Poole when Clay was coming off the injury he was Clay. better. He was better than Clay, but I also think that it's just that's a different story. When they ask Clay to back up Eric's point, when they ask Clay to come off the bench when he came back from injury, his answer was literally "fuck no." <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. So like Clay's Clay starting. That's that's just kind of how it is. Hey, come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, guys ain't trying to come on, man. Clay's it, like, I've won three it's titles. A, it's a franchise. totally different thing. Yeah. Like, you look at like you like even like Russell Westbrook. It was like, yeah, he's playing well off of it, but it's an adjustment. Like these guys have been stars their whole life. Yeah, <laughs> all these guys have been stars their whole life. The Anthony Mellon's been a starter for ninety five percent of his life, right? I mean, not in the NBA. Not in the NBA. Not in the NBA. That's true. <laughs> Second round pick, grinded his way. Yeah, like, yeah. And look, I, I think that I'm sure, like Eric said, both of these guys would be okay, smiling, and, and, but at behind closed doors, you're, you want to start. And that's kind of how it is. Now, crazy, just hypothetical. We're down like 0-2. We lost two games at home in the playoffs. Ooh, we're, we're, get, we're getting abused defensively because teams are targeting hard sure. and maxi every single time down the court. Yeah, something's got to give. Like, do you think they'd be desperate enough? I mean, at that point, Doc's like, man, Maxie, it's either you going to the bench or I get fired in about a week, and I ain't getting fired in a week. So, sorry, man. You know what I, I mean? Like, I, I at some point, if that becomes a problem defensively, I think he'd be the first man to, to go to the bench. We did, we did see this just to but to kind of the opposite problem. But uh, before Doc Rivers was here when Robert Covington was really struggling in the Celtic series a few years ago, the Sixers really lack that secondary ball creation. So they brought TJ McConnell into the starting lineup and they sent Robert Covington to the bench famously. And then they ended up winning that game and it was this whole thing and whatever. But uh, 
I mean, Doc's history suggests the complete opposite. Doc is loyal to his guys. Doc yeah. is loyal to his game plan. I don't think he would do that unless yeah, it was like, probably. unless it was literally from the front office. And I don't think the front office would ever want to, yeah. I don't think they would want to piss off. Like, I think you have to be so careful when it comes to your guys that could be stars, especially when you're in a market like Philadelphia, like we don't get free agents. Like we just have to treat our guys as, as good as we possibly can. Yeah. Maxie's the young guy too, man. Exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I think, I mean, you, there's ways to go around that without taking the guy out the line. You know, minutes. Yeah. You let him play like three minutes. Earlier minutes, earlier substitutions, like yeah. it's ways yeah. around that. Besides, Start melting at the three and move because you can, you, the can lose, you can lose guys by, yeah. by making a move because yeah. you you almost to the to the people that don't really pay attention like that, you, you almost saying it's his fault. Yeah. I that's it's perception's the problem, yeah, not, exactly. not the truth. Yes, I yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. Real fast, who do you think would be who do you think they would take out of the starting lineup first, Maxie or Tucker? Tucker, hundred percent. Yeah, I think they would go three guards before they took Maxie out the line. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I, and I th- I also think that Tucker Tucker's come off the bench before, which is yeah. like like I mean even on that Bucks PJ's team, PJ's gonna like, be the same regardless. Yeah, exactly. And uh-huh. PJ's got his money; he's already locked up for the next two years. He's gonna retire after that probably. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's say food for thought. Um, all right, let's we go to the game. Just, we could just, we could just, you know, not even have to talk about it if we just win. So, right. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'd love that. That'd be, yeah, that's the best adjustment you can make. Yeah. Win games. Yeah. yeah, it all goes away. All you need to do is get a W. Even if you lose, you get, even months from now, people forget that the how the Lakers game happened. It's just going to show up as a W later on. So it's not going to matter. Exactly. Um, so Sixers host the four, uh, 14 and 11 Kings. Uh, as of right now, I think as of last night, five and a half point favorites. Fox is questionable, uh, so that would be a huge loss for them. But yeah, thoughts and uh, who do you got? Uh, let's go troll first. Well, I think De'Aaron Fox being out completely changes the dynamic of this game. He's been fantastic this year for them, um, really budding into a star. Um, and the major thing with him is the transition offense is just incredible when he I mean they have the second best transition offense in the NBA when he plays so I think that that with and we know the Sixers transition defense issues uh I think that that is really really tough uh if he doesn't play I would imagine that the Sixers win if he does play I think it's going to be closer I'm still saying Sixers win although this is kind of the this is kind I mean the Kings are much better than the Rockets but it's kind of a similar thing that you're going to run into with them they like to get out and run they've got a a lot of young athletic guys who can score in buckets like I I think that there is going to be uh, a serious adjust adjustment from the Sixers uh, and they're going to have to you know focus in on the things that they've been struggling with but I'll I'll take the Sixers tonight uh, especially when uh, you have you have the Warriors on on the schedule for later in the week so right so is tonight we play the Kings and yes. did the Kings play last night? No, they played Sunday, I believe. They also played Sunday. Yeah, they um, just played Cleveland, I think. Right? No, they played Cleveland played last, last night. night. Hold on, they just played the uh, they played the Knicks on Sunday and they got crushed actually without De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Um, they're four and two in their last six. They they beat the Cavs. Mike's going to do a good job of. Preparing his team on the off day for Joel, they'll do well. They'll they'll defend well. They'll have a game plan on whether it works. Um, I don't know, but they'll have a plan. Um, I think, yeah. If Fox doesn't play, I think it hurts them. I think we win either way, but I also think it's a close game either way. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be tight. Um, I, I feel a close game. I think we'll win it, but close game either way. Yeah, offensively they're ranked top six in four different in categories. Uh, they're second in points per game. We're third in points per game allowed. So yeah, they're gonna score points and they're gonna and they all have a plan. So um, they're fifth. It comes eight. down to you know if we can dominate. So they don't have any. You know, you know they got the Sabonis on the whether he can what he can do with Joel, but we'll see if he pulls. I think if he pulls him out. He's making shots, or he pulls him out and pulls Joel away from the basket. That can hurt us. I think that'll hurt us because they have a lot of guys that can 
dribble drive, shoot. Um, and they in transition, they they have a lot of guys that can run. I think Trill said it. Well, they 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 have guys that can get out and break it down in almost every position. So it's a good test for us. I actually hope Fox plays. I mean, I mean Mike hasn't playing well, which didn't surprise me. Um, but their offense has been incredible. Yeah, I've watched. Playing, I've watched they're them. They're a lot well, of fun just, to watch. And it's like, and it's one of those teams that even when Fox is in there, is like, what's the game plan? You know, because they got so many guys that take shots and shooting a lot of threes, and you know they got like Davis coming off the bench. You know they got a lot of guys that's like taking they those do, threes man. off the bench. It's like, all righty. <laughs> yeah, Malik like, Monk has been fantastic. Yeah, this Malik's, year. Malik's yeah. been awesome. Yeah. Um. So you know they got you know of course the stable like Harrison and those guys. So it's like it's one of those. It's almost like almost like a. West Coast Toronto team, but not quite as long. Um, mm -hmm. But it's almost kind of the looked at the same way as far as young and a lot of guys and active and that. So you kind of, I kind of get that same feel, even though they, you know, they shoot a lot better than Toronto did. Does rather. It's a tough matchup, uh, but we need to win games like this at home. It's just we, we have to. We they can't sleepwalk into the game like they did the other night. Like that's that's the thing. Well, now that we have the record, we do 500. It's not like we're, you know, we've already been humbled. So it's not like, you know, we're going to, we shouldn't, we should be overlooking anybody at this point. So, yes. especially when they have a better record than us, uh, which they do. So, you better get it. Yeah. Especially with, you know, the other team coming up. Um, I think we win within that rate right and that range, man. I think it's one of those free throws to maybe cover the spread type thing. Sure. The game. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think we win either way a really, really tight game. Um, they gave us fits last year, and they were a disaster last year. Yeah. Well, except for the except for the one game when Andre Drummond was uh, famously the the game with no, it was a hospital Sixers game in in Sacramento, which was kind of the game where we're like, man, should the Kings just blow this whole thing up? Because <laughs> they were that because because Drummond destroyed them on the glass. Maxi had a fantastic game. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was the game with Joel our guys though was was close. Didn't they come? I think yeah. they came back in that game. I believe. The, the the Halliburton before Halliburton got traded yeah Halliburton scored thirty something and yep. we all were convinced they were going to trade for Halliburton after that game and yeah. then they didn't so that was oh that that was the game where Heald and Doc were talking with the with yep. this yeah okay I, yeah. Now I remember that now yeah yeah and Joel went up to Halliburton and hugged him we we're all like oh is it gonna and then it never <laughs> nothing never came from it yeah. Yeah. um so Kings tonight and then uh Friday night Sixers will host the Warriors on ESPN 7:30 Eastern. Spread's not out yet. Um I don't think it matters what happens tonight, but who do you got on Friday versus the Warriors? Eric, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um we'll beat them. But Steph will give us a doggone scare. He'll give us a scare, man. He'll make some big shots late and um, you know, I think we can we can win it. We just, you know, they're gonna make shots, they're gonna make plays. Um, but I think we win it. They had they had been struggling on the road, and hopefully that continues uh when they come to Philly. So Wiggins is out for the next two games, and then he could be back for the Sixers game. I think that that is a big Excuse thing. For, yeah, Wiggins has been so good for I he's been incredible. I the leap that he has taken in the last 2 years has been kind of mind-blowing to me how good he's been for them. Um he was he was supposed to be that good. He got paid to be that good. Remember that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean he was just, you know, found found the right role for him. Uh fantastic. I mean we always knew he was a great athlete, but his defense has just been another level since he got to uh the Warriors. So th that would be a really tough really tough if he can't play. I think I'm going to take, I'm going to lean Warriors here. It is the one thing to keep in mind. It is their third game in four days, which yes. that's tough. They're like, and they're traveling a lot. Yeah. They yeah. They play the Bucks tonight, the Bucks, Pacers, then us. Like yep. that is really, really tough to ask the team to do. They hosted but, Indiana. Then they went to yeah. Utah. Then they back home versus Boston. And then they traveled to Milwaukee. And then they're going to travel again to Philly. I, that, that's a lot. I will never go against Steph in primetime. I just won't. Like, I just think that Steph is such a unique talent and he gets up for these big games. Uh, you know, last year, Matisse had a really good game covering him. That was That's right. Yeah. When before before they made the Harden trade, there was that that famous game where Matisse had like three blocks on Steph, was giving him a lot of problems. Uh, but Steph 
Steph's on another level this year, man. I watched that Celtics game the other night and was just like, there's nothing you can do with this guy right now. So unfortunately, I think I'm going to lean Warriors there. Uh, I'll be calling that game during the game. So uh, it, it should be fun. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I think Golden State is kind of the Western Conference version of, of, of the Sixers. Well, minus the defending champ part. But, you know, a lot of expectations, top heavy and deep. Um playing like shit this year so it's like uh you know started like, like shit they've been similar, better they've been a lot better recently similar record though sure. overall uh yeah. i think i think were they one game above or below i think right yeah open 11 um I, it's a lot of traveling back and forth and kerr just randomly sits out players so maybe if they get back wiggins i'll sit someone else i could see him doing that maybe too um i do i think we win man i i, I have that feeling that we, we are going to pull out a victory i'll see who sits and who Hope does you guys are right yeah, I know. Uh, we'll see what the spread's like first. But I do, I think we'll pull it out. I think that's a lot of jumping back and forth within like a five-day stretch. It's a lot of, that's a lot of traveling for that team. Um, but yeah, I think we, I think we pull it out. I'll be taking some props in that one too. <laughs> um, well, great show, guys. Hey, great having you on, man. It's, Thank it's you guys for having me. I yeah, really appreciate time, it. All right. Uh, this will be another episode of Believe in 76ers podcast. Um, we'll love to have you on again in the future. Absolutely, deadline's coming up, and we didn't even talk about trade. So, oh my god, <laughs> that's my thing. So, you know, I, I know. I was like, dude, we're gonna do a show without even talking about trade. It's like, <laughs> well, like- we gotta get news first, right? Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get yeah. some yeah. this month when those when those tradable contracts come up. It'll be a exactly. lot more. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right, guys. So, I'll, uh, good show, and uh, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.